Welcome to the ITSP Magazine Podcast Network. You are about to listen to an episode of the Audio Signals Podcast with Marco Ciappelli. In this new season, Audio Signals is repositioning its antennas, focusing not just on the stories, but on the storytellers. In our modern hybrid analog digital society, the art of storytelling has never been more vital or displayed such a diverse array of forms. Recognizing this, our conversations will spotlight the narrators, providing a unique exploration into the minds behind the narratives. From authors to podcasters, visual artists to songwriters, and everything in between, we will engage with all who contribute to this extraordinary tapestry of human experience. We are all made of stories after all. Hello everybody, welcome to another episode of Audio Signals. That's my second podcast, which uh, I love as much as my first one, but it's something a little bit different. So in uh, Redefining Society, I talk about technology and society, and Audio Signals, I talk about stories and storytelling, but we're all made of stories, so even in the other podcast, I tell stories. So, I know, it's a little confusing, but we'll, <laughs> we'll get there. Uh, Audio Signal is dedicated, for the, those of you that listen for the first time, to understanding what inspires story, how it's written in story, what is the audience that you have in mind when you write a story, but the story could be music, a song, can be a painting, can be an illustration, can be a movie, can be anything, but often is a book. So today we're talking about a book as well, and the person that wrote this book and I'm very excited before I introduce her or welcome her to the show is the fact that we're going to talk about historical driven sci-fi, which is already a mouthful right there. But uh, it, it's exciting because I, I love to I, I love thinking about time machines exist and um, and at least with our imagination, we can use it um, or kick it like they do in the movies sometimes to make it work and they find the plutonium or whatever you need, uranium to make it work. And, uh, but we can always use our imagination. And, uh, but I know that there is a lot of research if you want to do a really good historical inspired sci-fi fictional story. So enough, I'm not the one that wrote this book. The one that wrote this book, it's Catherine Benfante, which is here. If you're watching the video, you already saw her with some beautiful greenery that she'll tell us what it is in the background. For those of you listening, here she is. Catherine, welcome to the show. Hi, Marco. Thanks for having me on. All right. So I already talked my two minutes. So the rest of the show is is yours. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll, I'll help you with the conversation. So let's start with, uh, with who you are. And, uh, and also, uh, tell me about those plants in the back. <laughs> sure. Um, my, my name is Catherine Benfonte. And I'm, I'm coming from nice cold New Jersey today, but I keep warm here. I get, I think the to do the best job in the world, which is to write stories. I just make up things and people read them, which is a pretty cool way to, to live a life. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm sitting here. That's a, we call that room the library because that's where we keep all our books. But also there's plants in there. Um, we, we grew uh, some coffee plants. We do bonsai. 
And uh, I'm not the one with the green thumb, but I just kind of water things and uh, kind of prune. And I get to enjoy the fruits of our labor. So that's fun. But, uh, but what I like to do is I like to write. And um, I'm a mom, first of all. I have two young kids. And so I read a lot. I get to read some kids' fiction. But mostly I read adult fiction, and that informs everything that I write, I think. And uh, before I was a mom, I was an engineer, actually. And I, I went to school up in Montreal. And I, I speak French. Uh, not perfectly, but I, I like it. Uh, that did make its way into my book, which is Scattered. It takes place in Montreal. And uh, <clears throat> yeah, I, I, I love to write. When I was growing up, I was always writing. And I was the kid who would get a 10-page writing assignment, and all the kids were moaning because it was 10 pages, and I handed in a 60-page story. And my teacher said, you know, you should think about being an author one day. <laughs> So, so I decided to give it a crack after I, I had kids. I thought, well, all right, maybe I'll try this as a second career. So I'm yeah, trying I think, it. I think that never goes away. Um, I can talk from a yeah. personal perspective. I am now like into some short stories and actually talking, writing some kids story with my mom, which is an, another story with on his own because she just started. Oh, good seven, luck. 76. And we already wrote some together. Her idea. So anyway, we're not talking about me, but the point is you postpone and postpone. Are you ever ready to write the story? It's always to me seems to write a book. It's such a big, you know, uh, daunting adventure that it's the size of it for me. And on the other hand, you said, yeah, sure. You want 10 pages? I'll give you 60. Yeah. So, <laughs> let's go with that. Well, I mean, everything seems possible when you're young, I think. Uh, but as you get older, I mean, you just have to take things bit by bit or, uh, you know, yeah, just bit by bit. You write a page, then you write a chapter and then, okay, that's not so bad. I write another chapter. Then pretty soon you got 50,000, 100,000 words and you have a book. It's, you just have to, uh, well, I think planning helps first of all, so you know where you're going and don't get stuck, but uh, just making a habit of it really helps. I get up at 6 a.m. every day, which isn't that early, but no one else is up. And I just turn on the coffee machine. I sit in the dark with my <laughs> screen glowing and I write. And that works for me. And I love it. I love that time of day and I get a lot done. Well, sounds like you're a morning person. A lot of <laughs> writers are actually a night person. At least I, some of them um, that I talk to, they are. Let's talk about the genre that, that you're writing. So Scattered is the story, a story that is sci-fi, but is inspired by an historical figure. And, yes. and, and, and we were talking before we started recording on how it's, it's hard to decide where you draw a line or where you bleed one into the other. And, uh, and, but you also said, you know, there is a lot of planning, a lot of research, so what, what is the process? Uh, do, do you start with the creative idea, the fantasy idea, and then you plug in the reality or you go the other way around? I, you know, everyone has a different process, I think, for how they begin a book. This particular idea came to me when I was literally washing dishes and my mind was blank. And all of a sudden I had this idea and I was thinking about this physicist from the early 20th century. And his name is Ernest Rutherford. He's from New Zealand. Um, and he was 
the chair of physics at McGill University, where I, I went to college. And so I knew about him. And I just had this idea, what if he was in his lab and his daughter, and at that point, I didn't even know if he had a daughter, that what if one of his experiments went awry and his daughter was sent in the future 100 years? And then I, I finished washing my dishes and I, I thought hard about it and a plot just came into my head like it fell from the sky. And then I started researching because I knew about who he was just generally. He was a physicist from, like I said, the early 1900s. He was the one who discovered the nucleus of an atom. And before that, the atom was thought of as like a, a chocolate chip cookie. And the dough was, you know, the, the positive charge and the chocolate chips were the negative, uh, negatively charged. Uh, they didn't even know that they were electrons at that point. They just knew that the atom had to balance. Um, and so Ernest Rutherford discovered that there's a very, very small positively charged nucleus in an atom. That's all I knew about him. So I started my research and I figured out he did have a daughter. And I read as many biography biographies of him as I could, and including one of them, which was a collection of his letters that he wrote. And I recommend anyone who wants to write about a historical figure, find something that that character has written, because you can find their voice, you find out all these tiny details about them, like, you know, the fact that they might like tea, or they like reading detective novels, or they hate the beach, or just these strange details that really bring a character to life in ways that it, it's almost natural for us when we're talking about someone, we provide those details. But when you get to do that sort of, you know, the first person research, those come out naturally and organically and it's authentic. And for me, I kept the characters as authentic as I could. I took Ernest Rutherford and I, I, I took his daughter who in reality was not born uh, in 1886, as I placed her in my book, she was actually born about 1901. I, the only thing I did was I moved her birth date a little bit, but I kept her as authentic as I could. I kept her father and all of his research assistants, um, you know, his knowledge of Einstein and the Curies and such included all those details. The only thing is I just threw her in the future, you know, just a small, a small change from reality, but everything else I kept authentic. I mean, I was uh, just, extremely to the point of almost driving myself crazy but like the moon phases I kept the same I went back and looked at a perpetual calendar and just these small details it I think it made it a very rich setting and I know of some authors who don't do that and their setting feels just very anachronistic and mm. there's something you know from a book is set in the 1600s and you you read a detail that is 200 years out of place hmm. and you just have this feeling it takes you out of the book for a moment because you feel like the author didn't do the research so I wanted to make sure that didn't happen with my book and I think that's very important hmm. is it inspired by a passion that you have for a certain kind of um, literature or reading I mean are you I mean I know you're an engineer um, uh, so I'm imagine it's either easier for you to be logic about things, and but then you go and throw time travel. All right, cool. We went. Then again, you got Asimov, and you got those guys out there that come up with incredible things. Mm -hmm. But 
yeah, I mean, was it something that you read in, or a movie that you watched and you said, hmm, that's, I would like to write something along that line? It's a good question. I personally read a lot of different genres. I, I like history nonfiction. I like historical fiction, science fiction, uh, spy thrillers, actually, uh, fan fantasy. I read a lot. And I think you, you tend to write what you like, but mm -hmm. also everyone has an imagination. Everyone has creativity. And if you relax your brain enough, I think you let that come out. And that's where the idea for a time travel story came to me. I wasn't consciously setting out to write a science fiction novel or time travel uh, or something with a historical figure. It's just you write what comes into your head, I think. Um, for some people, maybe they're very regimented about that, but this just, it just happened that way. And you're right, I am very logical, very, very regimented. And so that's, I think, why I was very meticulous in the research. And I think a lot of writers who are historical fiction authors are is, as well, um, because that's a passion for them. A lot of people like history. Uh, not everyone does. I do happen to like history. I think you can learn a lot about ourselves when you look into the past, uh, because people don't really change all that much. When you get right down to it, what, you, what people want and what they strive for, same thing over and over. You know, people want love, they want power, and they want security for their kids. And that's same themes over and over through history. So I found that to be very true when I was writing this as well. And when I was researching Rutherford and what I imagined he would have wanted for his daughter who was time traveling. How, how does she time travel by mistake? Does she just open a, a door? It, it was a mistake. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, obviously... If we knew how to time travel, we would be doing some pretty fun things right now. Yeah. Uh, and, and a lot of people think, all right, well, you need a, and I, I researched this as well with some physicists, how could you theoretically time travel? And uh, you need a very large gravity field. And, uh, you know, you kind of bend space time. Uh, you might need a very high uh, electricity source. And her father. Or uh, a DeLorean. Or Lauren, right, right. Well, if you're not Doc Brown, how do you manage this? <laughs> uh, so this uh, this girl, Ellie Rutherford, she stepped into her father's lab, which was very messy at that time. There were wires everywhere. Lots of magnetic fields were created from that. And also he was running an experiment that used radium and radium is radioactive. Mm -hmm. And so it emits various kinds of radiation, alpha, beta, and gamma rays. And so there was just a confluence of electricity, magnetic fields, a high voltage um, uh, electrical source, and this radium. And she just touched the wrong thing at the wrong time. And uh, poof, she found herself 100 years in the future. It's, I won't say it's magic, but because it, it doesn't exist, we sort of have to create that situation. So I like that. I, uh, I like the idea that you... You don't have to explain much. I, I like the idea that there is a concept, but then, you know, I don't have to explain how the the, the wizard um, magic in school, um, my uh, magic in school exists, or why a hat it's uh, sorting you in uh, <laughs> right. in Gryffindor. It just does. <laughs> it just does, and I like that. I'm, I'm I love the Alice in Wonderland. I like the nonsense. I like all of that. Right. And then I read bio. I read 
you know, real historic and I want there to be perfect. But mm-hmm. where where do you draw the line and how do you choose and that may be a very hard question for you, but how do you choose your audience? Meaning you're writing the book and you say, All right, this is not going to be for the person that just want just to read historical stuff. And this is probably not gonna be for the one that wanna hear only stories about completely fictional character and yet you have to tune it and that, that's where i'm picking your brain here because i personally wouldn't know if i'm adding a little bit too much of this or a little bit too much of that and and then it explode or maybe it's not gonna appeal the audience that i have in mind that's a very good question i think no matter what you read you want to be entertained even when I read nonfiction, if that book is dry, if mm. the author doesn't bring it to life, I'm going to put it down, even if I like the subject. And no matter if you are more into science fiction or you're more into uh, romance novels or historical fiction, you want to be entertained. Uh, and so I personally tried to create an entertaining story, but you have to... Um, you have to include details that make it believable and that fill out your setting and round it out. Um, and so I think part of your question was, where do you draw the line on how accurate you can make things? And s- sometimes you will read something and you know that it it is false because you've read a, you know something else from that time period and you know some of the facts in that historical fiction um, book are wrong. And uh, so, you know, you go and you go on an internet search and you look it up and as a reader that always annoys me because i want to know that the historical novel that i'm reading is based in fact mm. and uh so yeah I, I i think you you want to entertain people and you have to take liberties with the the if you're using a historical figure you you should take some liberties with their life by keeping them in the spirit of who they were yeah. you know um you have to you have to create an interesting plot. Otherwise, you know, you're, you might as well just be not even bothered to publish, right? Um, but what I did and what I love what other authors do is I put a for, um, an author's note at the back where I talked about what was real in the book and where I took liberties. And I did in just a few places. I did take a few liberties, but I explained about the, the science behind it and the science in the, the modern characters too. And then I included a couple pictures at the end to show that, hey, this, this really was definitely a real person. I'm not pulling your leg. And this is, uh, this is how it was. And I love it personally when I see that in book or when I see maps, I love that. It's grounding. Mm. Like you're building your own, your own uh, environment and, uh, and your, own, your own world, which is very difficult to do as well. It is. And be yeah. and be relied on that for maybe, you know, the second and the third story and you know and, and all of that. But another part of my question was you probably have the ideal reader in your mind. And oh, okay. my my background is it's branding and marketing. So I'm always like, hmm, how are they gonna perceive this? What's my target audience? And so and that's really bad, I think, for the writing part when there is not a product that you need to that you need to sell or so are you get to a point where you're like well 
I feel like my audience is not going to go for this, even if I do want to go for this. That, you know, Marco, that's a <laughs> really good question. And I personally, I should have thought of that before I started writing this book because <laughs> I created something that is hard to market. And I thought, I thought, oh, you know, every author thinks, oh, everyone's going to love this book. Well, that's not true. Like every product, there is a very specific audience. And I did not keep that in mind necessarily. And uh, so I'm, I'm left with something that has some sci-fi and it has some historical and it has um it, it has a love story too it's not a romance book but um i mean even if you read aj riddle or barty crouch um sorry blake crouch um they have a strong you know love thread throughout them too so i thought okay even though it's science fiction though there's probably only going to be females maybe 20 to 40 who will read this turns out that a lot of males like it too uh, but and and there are a lot of older women do too, and I never thought that it would appeal to to them to those mm. sections of society. And so I think even if you try to write to a specific audience, you will be surprised at who picks up the book, and you just have to roll with it. Mm. That's a good point. And as long as maybe in the end, it's what the artist, the real artist, does. You do it to yourself. You do it because it's something that you like to do. And Otherwise, no, you'll constrict yourself. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, my, my question was a little bit tricky because I feel I'm always pulled from just do what you want to do or um, because, of again, the, how my mind works is, okay, who am I telling this story to? Do I need to dump it down? Do I need to bring it up to the, the tech part? And this mm -hmm. is like this sci-fi people or they want just more romance. But in the end, I think you did the right thing. I mean, you wrote something that pleases you and then you find out that uh, people that you didn't expect they are actually like in the book so tell me about the the romance part in in this uh in this story sure so there is there's a, a female she's 20 years old and at the beginning of the book it starts off with her um very close to entering an engagement with someone who in real life she does marry and she doesn't want to be with that person um, in the novel. <clears throat> and she's also, she's an intelligent person and feels restricted in 1906 because there aren't, let's face it, there weren't opportunities for women like there were today, obviously, to study. Um, and I go into some detail to explain why she can't go into various fields of study. And when she is transported to 2006 Montreal, she discovers what a difference it is in terms of opportunities for women. And that's one of the things that really appeals to her. And she meets someone who doesn't see her as, you know, an object, sees her as a, a female with a brain. And um, that's William Hertz. And he is a physics grad student. And he, uh, you know, for she, he appeals to her because he's a physicist uh, and she's obviously very interested in that. And so they, they strike up a friendship, but uh, she, she does reveal that she's from the past. He's the only person that she tells. And so he knows her secret and he agrees to help her try and get home. 
and to recreate this set of um, circumstances in her father's lab that sent her back. And mm. uh, so there's a, there's this funny dynamic there because they're friends and they find out that, the, you know, they really like each other's company, yet she's trying her best to, to leave him. And so there's repression of feelings. And I'm not going to give away the end, but it does affect her her choices and what she does and and him as well how he helps her and uh yeah yeah it's a funny dynamic of like forbidden 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 attachment but uh yeah it's very clean it's very clean thread <laughs> now it's interesting that that you have the story of trying to get back and i'm wondering the first thing that come in my mind is i know you're always going to go back to where you your origin is but didn't she find a better, a better place to kind of become who she wanted to be? So why, why going back? Well, that's a great question. Uh, you'll have to read to find out what happens. <laughs> okay, I right, can't right, spoil right. the end, but yeah, See? that's that is a that's definitely a pull because I, I really enjoyed researching what females went through at that time, and I found this great quote from. It was actually from 1915, um, but looking back about 10 years prior of women who had graduated from Barnard. And these were very intelligent women, had a lot of work and time put into their studies, and then they married and they became housewives and had children. And they talked about how their lives were very fulfilling personally, but they always felt like there was something missing. They felt like they had wasted part of their life because they never did anything with the education that they received. And I found that a bit tragic and so that sort of informed what ellie rutherford's outlook on life was uh so yeah and i mean there are women nowadays who feel like that too not that there's anything wrong with it because there's a lot of ways you can get fulfillment in life but uh yeah i just that that quote really stuck with me mm. And I guess the reason why I ask you that question is probably the, the one of the driver of the old book. So because it's a struggle about her wanting to go back. So yeah, uh, that, that's already telling me how I could probably get into this book myself. How much of that is into is representing your life or at least your vision about the world and I mean of course you're 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 a woman you are an author but you're also an engineer I know you work for a military navy project so you you kind of achieve at this point the, your scientific career you know your science and engineering career and now you got kids and now you you're writing it's kind of like came to full circle from that 60 pages of <laughs> story that you wrote when you were in school yeah yeah I guess it did inform it and I never really thought about that too much but uh I, yeah I, I I studied engineering I never wanted to do anything trivial and I don't mean that on an, as a knock on other things but I really liked science I actually wanted to be a race car engineer uh, that's why I studied mechanical engineering. And then I realized that you can't really have a family life very easily if you're going off to racetracks every weekend or every other weekend. So I decided to pursue something else and I just fell into military engineering and I really liked it. It was a lot of fun. Got to meet a lot of great uh, servicemen doing it. Got to 
got to fire a tank gun. You know, who gets to say that? That's pretty awesome. Uh, in training, obviously. Um, not training, but, the, you know, testing, I should say. Um, so, yeah, I got to fulfill part of that interesting life. And, and I think, you know, yeah, that, that's something that I think my character wants to achieve, too, is to, to say that you have done something to affect society. Everyone wants to do that. Yet at the same time, what's our, what's our job on? on earth we continue our species so yeah of course i want to have a family and not everyone wants to but that's always been a big drive for me and yeah that that plays into my character as well she would never turn her back on that even no matter what she would want to achieve uh, yeah so i guess i would see a lot of myself in that character that's never saw that before so thanks marco <laughs> you're welcome um, i'm being a shrink right now um i'm gonna go with something else which i'd like to ask um I mean, you said that you you love writing. You've always thought about that. You did that as a younger uh, student, a young person, and then you know you take other choices. And I'm assuming you're still writing on the side. You have it always a creative. Either you publish it or not. You you write a book. But I think when you're a writer, you're a writer. Even if you're writing a post like a card for a happy birthday, I think <laughs> if you're a writer, you can kind of tell. I don't, I don't know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Unless nowadays you just chat GPT, but that's a different story. We're oh, not no. going to go there. Uh, <laughs> although I hard talk pass. a lot about that. A hard pass on that. You know, um, I'll talk about that on my other show. But where I'm going with this is um, the legacy. Um, why do we write a book? So why do we write this story? Why do we make a, a movie? And is it on a selfish fulfillment that you want to, kind of be a celebrity or is it something because you want to you kind of mentioned that you want you want to change somebody's perspective maybe on life you want to contribute to something so what, my point is what is what drives you in hmm. writing and put you know those words on paper or audio and uh, and nowadays on the internet and it's probably going to be there forever and ever and ever <laughs> never, never. Be careful of what you say right now. Oh God, yeah, don't you ever? Yeah, it's hard not to self-censor yourself um, online, and even in some of my writing, that that is true. But uh, so, I mean, it'd be great to make a living as an author. That would be great, but that's not really why I write. I just write because I have stories that just come into my head, and you feel like they have to get out, and. You know, I've talked about this with my husband sometimes. I said, don't you just have this fantastic idea and you just have to you just have to talk about it or write about it? And he said, no, I, I don't <laughs> feel like that at all. And, you, you know, I always think that everyone is the I'm same way. not that way weird. That. Yeah. No, you know, he's creative in other ways, but I, I just have to write. And some people yeah. just have to paint. And mm -hmm. I get that. Um, my daughter's very musical. I can't even I can't even read music I can barely sing so for me it's writing and I, I I just I can't stop and I did take a break for a while in college and I wasn't writing I wrote a little bit during one um, summer vacation and then I, I picked it up after after I graduated and I started working and you just you can't bottle it up that long if you're creative and I've written a couple of different genres. I've written some kids fiction and not all of it's published. Not all of it will be published. 
uh, because some of it is just not good enough, but you can't stop. And I have, I have <laughs> a book that I'm about 75% through writing right now. I have two other books that I want to write. I think a, a sequel to Scattered and then something else. And I can't decide what I want to write first. And that is the best problem to have really, right? And you just, once that spigot opens you can't really turn it off and you probably shouldn't because it's what makes you happy that's how i feel and what do you want people in your in your mind you know when people read a book uh, what, what do you want them to be left with i don't know i just tell you for example i do the podcast because i want to make people think that's my thing i want to I want to have amazing conversation with amazing people, and and if people listen to us, I want to have I want them to question more things than when they started. So I'm not trying to give an answer. So yeah, that's what makes me tick to have this conversation. So what what do you want when people put down the book? Be like, oh, I really had a good time, or wow, I have a different perspective on things. What? Well, first of all, I because. This, this book, Scattered is Science Fiction, the work that I'm writing right now is also science fiction. It would be nice if people came away learning something new, and I hope to have done that with this book. Um, I know I did. I know some readers glossed over the physics in it, and they said, oh, I still really enjoyed the book. I just turned about two pages when you started talking about the science, <laughs> and that's fine. But that's one thing. But one thing that I didn't really expect to have gotten from this is just... It, some, you know, sort of heartwarming interactions between people and what makes us tick and what makes us make decisions and what pulls us to do things. And it's always someone else. You know, you can't really live a solitary existence. And one of the my favorite parts of writing is writing conversations. And I didn't really figure this out until, I don't know, eight, nine years ago. But that is the easiest part for me to read. And I love putting those words in people's mouth and just finding out how they interact with each other. And I've come back and found these golden nuggets of, 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 you know, pull quotes of what they say that just kind of tug at your heartstrings. And I never set out to write that, but I'm finding that that really resonates with people and it resonates with me. I'll look back and I'll say, wow, I wrote that. Well, that, that's, that's a good line. I should remember that. And, you know, I've never quoted my own book to someone, but I have quoted it in my head. And I thought, oh, that's, that's you know, good advice, good advice about, you know, how to deal with someone or how to talk with someone. So, yeah, I hope they take take that. That's really cool. So you just kind of mentioned your, your next project, which is still into the sci-fi uh, realm. Mm -hmm. And how, how do you pick your next project? Again, are you, you just doing the dishes again and something <laughs> strike? That always helps. Going on a walk, doing dishes in the shower, that's when the best ideas come. Especially right. when you have no pen or paper, that's when the ideas really come. Right, right. Uh, no, I have a Word document, and I have uh, maybe 40 story ideas on it. And whatever speaks to me, I will write next. Like, I had a... I met a bunch of really good authors on X, formerly known as Twitter. Uh, there's a hashtag time travel authors, great mm. group of people. And I got invited really? I to, to contribute. Yeah, it's, yeah, 
Twitter is best for connecting with like-minded people. Um, but uh, so I got invited to write a short story for an anthology and I wasn't sure what to write. And I went to my Word document and I, I looked for something and something stood out to me and I modified it into a time travel story. And so, yeah, hmm. that, that document saved me. I love that. Um, can I keep you another extra minutes because we're at 35 and I usually okay. kill it here, but I'm having a good time and I'm doing it for a very selfish re reason <laughs> because I'm asking you a question that I often have in my head about writing. You, you went into the short story and um, I don't know, lately I just love short stories and A, to write, even if Mark Twain say it takes longer to write. Sure. <laughs> a short letter oh, yeah. than a long one, and you know, apologize for that. Um, I feel like I, I can get that that fix. Maybe it's the podcast, um, you know, some dramatization on the, the radio. I'm a big radio fan, and uh, and sometimes because I can kind of get it done while I walk the dogs, and uh, you know, I, I've I've read big long books in pieces, of course. But the idea of writing it, um, how do you approach that? And do you feel the same fulfillment, maybe, when you write a short story? Or what's the difference between, for you, between writing it, an old book with time travel, one thing, romance, and many, many pages, and, uh, and just say, yeah, I'm going to get it done in, in a short story? Um, it is a very different feeling, but at the same time, it still has to have all the elements of a strong plot. You know, you have to have a hook, you have to build up to an event. Otherwise, what's the point of reading the story, right? You have to have a good, um, you know, an inciting incident. And then there has to be barriers to the main character to, to solve the problem. And then there has to be a resolution or there should be, or your readers will be pretty annoyed. Um, mm. But it ha it's challenging because you have to say that in a small amount of space, you have to be succinct and you still have to create a setting that's believable and round out your characters. So I find it to be a really big challenge, honestly. And it's, it's, um, it's a good challenge, but you can't, you can't just tell a snippet in, well, sometimes you can tell a snippet in time, like flash fiction can be very good, um, you know, a thousand words or less. Um, but it always leaves me wanting more whenever I read flash fiction. Mm. But with a short story, I feel like I want to see that complete. Okay. So good short stories are not deep enough. And you don't feel like you didn't, you, you, it either wasn't resolved, or just not enough happened. But a good, a good one has all of those elements, like, like Stephen King is pretty good at his short stories, but really, they're more like novellas. Um, well, some of his are short stories, but uh, you know, it's, he's kind of an expert. So he's crazy. He writes. I, I was actually watching a, a video where uh, Martin and in, in interview him and say, "How the hell do you write all of that?" It's like, I, when you write a book, and what it takes me to write three paragraphs, and, <laughs> and it's like, I don't know. I just take it as a job, and I just watched it the other day, I think, on Instagram. But could you have done? scatter in a short story format no <laughs> no in fact you didn't when even i have to think about it no. oh god the first draft is 100 <laughs> almost 140,000 words so i had to cut a lot as it is 
Wow. But can you give us to end this uh, an elevator pitch for people to read it? If somebody so tell me what is about, why should I read it? Sure, sure. So uh, Scattered is first and foremost a, a time travel science fiction novel. And, you know, one woman is faced with a very difficult choice. Does she try to adjust to a new time period and fulfill her dreams? Or does she go back and be reunited with the family she loves? And also an uncertain past that she can read in the history books, uh, which does not have the opportunities that her her future modern life could and it's a uh, yeah it's a, a choice no one wants to face but uh, the way she does it is is pretty compelling very cool good good elevator pitch and uh, there's time travel so i think i think everybody is fascinated by time travel anyway so i am yeah Uh, well, you know, a lot of TV series, a lot of movies, a lot of books, and uh, I think this is fascinating. I want to thank you so much for your time and going the extra five minutes. We kind of like kicked the time machine a little longer <laughs> to stay here a little longer, but it's time to to go back to where we where we belong. And um, I invite everybody, of course, to to read the book and to get in touch Hi. with Catherine there is going to be yeah for people watching that's the book and for people listening and anybody else in the note there'll be linked to the book and to Catherine's website and to get in touch with her so I hope you enjoyed this episode and again as I say during the show I hope you have questions or maybe get inspired about writing yourself and you, if you have some story to share just uh Stay tuned or let me know. And if you like to listen to stories, subscribe to this podcast. And Catherine, thank you very much. Good luck with your next uh, adventure. Thanks for having me on, Marco. It was a great talk. All right. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Audio Signals with Marco Cappelli. If you learned something new and this conversation made you think, then add this show to your favorite podcast player, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and share the ITSP Magazine Podcast Network with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to connect your brand to our conversations and our audience, visit itspmagazine.com to learn how to sponsor one or more of our shows. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey.